0: Well, hello, church. So in school, we learned that from the stage, you should never embarrass anyone else, but it's okay to embarrass yourself. And so I thought I'd embarrass myself a little this morning. And it's a story that has nothing to do with my sermon, but it's just funny, and so I thought I'd tell it. Um, But so Friday night, um, the student ministry, we had a movie night out here on the lawn. We set up a sheet on the wall and had a projector, and we watched a movie. And so afterwards... Uh, we were cleaning up, and I came in here, and I was shutting everything down, making, everything sh- making sure everything was locked up, uh, and I got everything shut off, and all the lights were off, and I, and I kept hearing this like, buzzing, or it sounded like something was running, and I was like, I don't know what this is. I've got to figure this out before I can leave, so I come up here to the stage, and I'm like, walking around trying to figure it out, and it's coming from the baptistry. And so I go back to the plexiglass back there, and I, I'm trying to figure out what this is. And so I put my hands on the plexiglass, and I'm leaning over trying to see, you know, what's going on. And what not you know, the plexiglass broke. And so Jed decided to rebaptize himself. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yep, thank you. Um, and so, yeah, so that was fun. So then I walk outside and find Sammy, and she's like, why are you soaking wet? And I was like, I decided to go for a swim. Um, but no, so if you are curious, there is currently water in the baptistry, and the water is actually a decent temperature. It's not very cold, so it felt really good. Um, but yeah, so to my actual point, uh, and getting to the sermon, um, so I- I'm just curious, and you're not in trouble, um, but what types of thoughts often crossed your mind on a Sunday morning? I know for me, generally, I can have a hard time paying attention to things, whether it's during the worship time, whether it's during the sermon, you know, whatever it be, I might have a hard time paying attention. Just for example, you know, we might be singing, you know, Josh and the band are up here singing and they might sing a song and and it might say something like, the bread of life, and my mind immediately goes, you know what's the bread of life? Olive Garden breadsticks, (laughs) right? Right? Like, if there's bread of life, it's definitely Olive Garden breadsticks, right? And so my mind goes there, and then it just continues. You know, like, oh, maybe, maybe we should eat there for lunch after church today. Or, you know, do I really want to drive all the way to Sioux City? You know, I do have to go there tomorrow. I also have to mow the lawn tomorrow. You know, and it's just this series of things, right? Has anyone else had a moment like that where their mind just kind of trailed off in the middle, right? Maybe it's doing it right now. Um, But yeah, and so, you know, life gets busy and it's full of things that draw our attention. And so even when we do want to focus on something, it can be hard. Um, And so, you know, whether it's school or work, or other activities or events, or, you know, if you're a parent and you have people in your life, which we all do, right, they have things going on that we are, tend to be a part of as well. And so, you know, like, how many parents are happy that the baseball season is almost over? Right? Or, you know, scared because school is slowly coming back, and sorry, students, it's coming back in a month here now, and now other sports are picking up and other activities, and life is going to get busy again. And these things, they can, they can occupy our mind and make it hard for us to pay attention when we want to, um, even if it comes to worship like here on a Sunday or your own personal worship time during the week. Um, and that's, you know, this, we've been going through the series on assets, and, and one of the things that we value here at Whiting Christian Church is being able to worship fully, and so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, is, is how can we focus, how can we give God our full attention and be able to worship Him as He deserves? Um, and so I have another question, okay? I have another question, and it is, what is the most breathtaking sight you have ever seen? What is the most breathtaking sight you have ever seen? What in your life has made you stop and be unable to say anything? Your wife, Larry? Good call. Um, You know, that it was so purely incredible that maybe it even brought you to tears. You know, hopefully you've experienced something like this, you know, whether it's uh, Niagara Falls, the Rocky Mountains, uh, I don't know, a lake in Minnesota, an ocean. Uh, Maybe it's uh, something you experienced, uh, like getting to see the Northern Lights or watching your child being born or... Um, as, as Larry gratefully pointed out, standing hand in hand with your wife as you, at your wedding, you know, these are things that we are able to experience here on this earth. Um, and so I want you to be thinking about that. What, what in your life has been so amazing? And just hold that for a second. Now, since we're talking about worship today, worship has to do with being worthy, Okay, it has to do with being worthy. Our English word for worship itself, it derives from an old English word um, that says it has to do with the condition of being worthy. So if we worship something, essentially it's saying, hey, this has value to me. I see that it has an incredible amount of value, so I'm going to worship it. Um, Now think back to the, the, the most breathtaking thing you've ever seen, right? Who is behind that? Who is behind that most breathtaking sight? Who is behind the Niagara Falls, the Rocky Mountains, the Northern Lights, the creation of your spouse or your children, right? It's our God, the one that we read about in the book of Genesis, creating everything in our universe, the God of all power and majesty, right? And I could go on and on describing him, um, but I'm not quite as eloquent, eloquent as some people in the Bible and so, if you would like to um, grab your Bible um, and open it up to the book of First Chronicles, we're going to be in chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 8. First Chronicles 16, verse 8. Unfortunately, I didn't look up the page number for the Pew Bible. I apologize. That is my failure. But as you're turning there, I just kind of want to set this story up. So, so far in this Um, in this story, David has defeated the Philistines, okay? So they had the Ark of the Covenant, and David defeated them, and he has finally brought it back to its, its place where it needs to be in Jerusalem, and a lot of people, when they talk about worship, they bring up this passage, because this is also the passage where David's dancing around in his underwear, worshiping God, and we're, we're going to move a little bit past that, so his clothes are back on, Um, uh, and we're going to read, so David, uh, in this triumphant act, appoints some men, priests over the ark, um, and he gives them this song to sing every day to worship God. And this is what we're going to be reading today, starting in verse 8 of chapter 16 in First Chronicles. It says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. And so what we see in this section um, of the song is that it gives some reasons of why God is worthy of being worshipped. It says the wonders he has done, his miracles, his judgments. And what's great about the Bible is that we have lots of detailed accounts of these things throughout history. Right, The creation of everything in Genesis, the plagues and the splitting of the Red Sea, David defeating Goliath, Elijah and the priests of Baal, Jonah and the whale. And we can go into the New Testament even and we can look at the miracles that Jesus performed. Right? Uh, healing the sick, giving mobility to the lame, turning water to wine, walking on water, and even raising people from the dead. We have extensive records in the Bible that show the worthiness of God, that show the power and the might and the things that He is capable of doing that make Him worthy of worship. But what's great about Christianity. Um, and our experience with God, it goes beyond what is just written in the Bible. God is personal. He, he, his care for creation goes down to an individual level. His worthiness is also shown in the wonders that we get to see in our own life. Right? So the power and the glory and the majesty that we are talking about are prevalent in our own lives, and so just like, you know, when we talk about those breathtaking sights that we've been able to see and witness in our life or experience, right, those show the worthiness of God just as much as Him splitting the Red Sea. I've talked about before, um, so I grew up going to Camp Naboa just down the road in Ottawa. And one of my favorite parts of the day was right after chapel, we'd have a quiet time. And so they basically just send us out and say, hey, go spend some time with God. And so we would go, and, and I like to sit right beside the lake. So if you've ever been to Blue Lake and have seen Camp De Boa, they have um, the, the edge of the lake is lined with rocks. And so I'd go find a nice big rock, and I'd sit on it, and I'd watch. And sometimes we'd have devotions, but rarely did I ever do it. Um, but I would sit there, and I'd pray, and I'd watch, because it never failed that there was always the same time that the sun would be setting. And I'd sit there and I'd watch as the sun would set over Blue Lake. And it is to this day one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I would sit there as the sun came down and, and the, came across the horizon. And then you just see all these different colors, you know, from a burnt orange to a crimson to a purple. And as it just shot across the sky. And then you could look at the lake, and you'd see it's just a a rippled mirror of the same thing. And and as a 12-year-old, I sat there engulfed in this beauty, and the only thing I could think of was, man, how amazing is our God. Right? We can witness the worthiness of God and the things we experience in our everyday lives. Um, Let's continue reading the song. It says... He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, and he allowed no one to oppress them for their sake he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones, do not do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the peoples, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. So in this, past, in this section, another reason that we are given that God is worthy is because of the covenant that he kept with the patriarchs. And so we can look back and we can see that God did keep this promise. We can look, you know, what he did for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and down the line all the way through when he, you know, and you know what? Jesus came and he brought a new covenant, a new promise that makes him just as worthy. You know, just as described in John three sixteen, God's love was poured out upon the world by sending his son to live and to die for us. That through his innocence and death, our guilt is wiped away. And I don't know if you've ever come to full grasp with what God has done for you and what Jesus did for us on this earth. But if you have, then you know there is nothing more worthy of worship than our God. I mean, the extreme lengths that he has gone to take care of us and to take care of his people is amazing, and it's just another reason that shows who he is and what he is capable of. But let's finish out our song for this morning. It says, For all the gods of the nations are idols, But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord and the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Gives thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, God our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And I, I love this song, and I, and I picked it with an intention. And I think it's a great example of what it's like to worship God. And so what we see throughout the Bible, um, both the Hebrew and the Greek words for worship in the Bible, a majority of the time are in reference to bowing before God. You know, sometimes we get the imagery of them bowing on their knees, but uh, even more so, it refers to them just lying flat on their face. Right? Can you imagine worshiping God like that, just lying flat on your face? I know it's hard. We have pews. Um... But can you imagine worshiping like that? And so, you know, why would someone worship God like that? Well, in the Bible, when you see someone bowing before God, it's generally not because they chose to, but because in the presence of God, that is the natural reaction. In the presence of God, that is the natural reaction. Right? And we can see this. Look at the story of the transfiguration in Matthew. You know, God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased And what do Peter, James, and John do? They fall on their faces in the presence of God. When Paul was on the road to Damascus and Jesus shows up as a bright light, what does he do? He falls before him. Or in in Revelation, um, when John talks about seeing Christ, and it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And so essentially, God's pure awesomeness should cause us to crumble before him. It shouldn't be something we we shouldn't just choose to worship him. It should be a natural reaction when we are faced in his presence that we fall down on our knees and give him the praise that he deserves. Just as we read in the song, it says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. And so the main point of my sermon is right here. So if you don't get anything else, get this one sentence. I'll say it a couple times. Worship is most natural when it comes out of a mindset understanding the worthiness of God. Worship is most natural when it comes out of a mindset understanding the worthiness of God. Our world is full of evidence showing the power and the majesty of God, whether it's the breathtaking experiences we are able to have, the history of God's wonders and miracles in the Bible, or remembering the promise that came through Christ, these things point to the fact that there's nothing more worthy of worship than our God. And so when we come here as a congregation to worship, or if you are out during the week worshiping as an individual, we shouldn't let anything distract us from giving God the attention he deserves. No, don't get me wrong. I don't mean like a lot of people talk about this and they say, you know, you need to get rid of the distractions in your life. Well, unfortunately, you can't just up and kick your kids out of the house. (laughs) I mean, you could. I'm sure you would like to at times. You know, we can't just stop working. If you want to provide your family, it's not an option. And so what we have to do is we have to find a way to set these things aside to be able to give God our full attention. And so that's the big question of this morning. How do we get ourselves focused for worship? How do we get ourselves in the right mindset to worship God the way he deserves? And I believe that the song that we, the, we read this morning, um, that is why it was written. To celebrate God and to put him at the forefront of their mind. It was one that they sang every single day. And I think we can do something similar to help ourselves. Maybe it's like David and the Israelites. Maybe you have a song that you can listen to or sing. I know that sounds cheesy, but whatever helps you. Maybe you can do that. You find a song and you say, you know what, I'm going to listen to this before I go into worship. Maybe there's a passage of scripture like the one that we read that reminds you of the worthiness of God. And you say, I'm going to read this every time before I go into worship. That way I go in with the right mindset. Maybe it's something as as simple as when you sit down on a Sunday morning, right, we have our timer up, and you see it gets down to a minute left, you just say, I'm going to say a prayer at one minute, and I'm going to get focused for worship today. And so you pray, and you ask God, please help me focus on you today. Let me worship you the way that you deserve to be worshipped. Because as I said, worship is most natural when it comes out of a mindset of understanding the worthiness of God. And so it's not whether, you know, we choose to worship God, it's, it's whether we not, in the presence of God, are going to fall down on our knees and worship Him. If we're going to give Him the attention that He deserves... And I think that we can do that if at the forefront of our mind is understanding what God has done for us, whether it's his wonders, whether it's the miracles, whether it's the covenants that he's kept, whether it's just thinking about who he is in general. Whatever we have to do to get our mind to that place, we need to do it. And so at the end of the service today, we have two more songs. And so I'd like to close out my sermon by praying that prayer and asking God to help us focus on Him so that we can worship Him fully. We can value this time of worship and that we can put every distraction aside that life wants to throw at us, that life wants to keep bringing up. Um, I don't know if it's the Olive Garden breadsticks or not, but, um, but so we can set those aside and that we can worship Him. So will you bow with me? dear God, You are amazing. We see that in the Bible. We see that in the work of Christ. We see that in our own daily lives. You are most worthy of worship. And I ask that you help us remember that. Help us put that at the forefront of our minds as we come to close out in worship today, that we worship you the way you deserve to be worshiped. Thank you for what you've done for us and just help us even during the week be able to put those distractions aside and give you the attention that you deserve. We love you and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.